Hello, everybody. Welcome to Zone Defense. Be sure to follow us on Spotify at Zone Defense Podcast and on Twitter at Zone Defense Pod. We want to say thank you to all of our new viewers from our last few episodes. However, a lot of you are not yet subscribed, so be sure to hit that subscribe button if you have not already and smash that notification bell because it really helps out our channel a lot. Also, drop a comment down below and let us know if the Lakers can still win a title following LeBron's injury. Today, we will be doing another edition of the Zone Defense Basketball Hour. How's it going, Chris? It's going well, Drew. It's been it's been a little while since we've done one of these basketball hours. I'm pretty excited to talk about. It. I know we've had uh maybe maybe our full concentration hasn't been on the NBA lately with the tournament going on, but we're going to incorporate a little bit of draft prospect talk into some a later segment. So I'm I'm definitely excited for that cuz you know the tournament always lives up to the hype in March. It was really really disappointing not to get it last year, but I I'm super happy to have it back. I don't know I don't know about you, but uh it's it's awesome this year, man. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I wish the Big Ten had a better showing because uh, I think we have like <laughs> nine teams in the tournament and only one of them is in the Sweet 16. Fortunately, it's the best team that's in the Sweet 16, of course, being Michigan. I got my gear on today, um, but it would have been nice to see a better showing. The Pac-12 has been pretty great. Um, there's been a lot of great games. Oral Roberts, Oregon State, um, a lot of crazy teams making it. But um, I know, as you said, we could probably go on and on about the tournament, but this is an NBA show. So how about you start us off here with the, the news and notes before we jump into our main topics of the day? Yeah, we'll talk about some of the, the major uh, news that's happened kind of since the last time we've done it. Basically, just since the All-Star break, just some some things that have happened recently. First off, we have a couple of major injuries that are, are honestly potentially playoff changing injuries uh lebron james with a high ankle sprain this is this is not good for the lakers i'm just going to give you my reaction i know you you left this one up to the comments as well my instant reaction is this is really really bad for the lakers uh, i mean high ankle sprains they they're not as common in the nba as they are in the nfl but i don't know if you remember i mean saquon barkley had one basically was I mean he didn't miss a ton of time because he's he's a superhero similarly to LeBron James but he was really ineffective for most of the season it took him basically from week I would say week four to week sixteen to really you know come back and and be explosive I mean the same thing happened to Alvin Kamara a couple of years ago it was pretty much the same injury to him as well and and he really struggled to come back from it so I uh, I mean. I would say maybe it's a little bit easier to play on it in the NBA, but not much. He's out indefinitely right now, so I'm assuming he misses. Honestly, I could see him missing, and they could hold him out until come playoff time. And, and I don't know where they're going to be ranked in, in the seating by then because I think without him and without AD, he's pretty much out indefinitely too. I think he's going to miss it. Honestly, he could miss the rest of the season as well too. I wouldn't be stunned. I think they're they're going to basically free fall in the standings and – play-in game maybe i could see them falling all the way out i could see them fall into the seven eight spot personally i they're not that far ahead of of the rest of the west i mean if you look at the difference between them and like the the nuggets and the blazers it's only a couple games so that i think those two teams are for sure gonna pass them but i could see the mavs if they were get they were to get hot the grizzlies maybe the warriors i think the warriors could could find if curry's back soon which he had a minor injury as well they could also pass them as well, but I don't know how you feel about the Lakers. But I am, I'm extremely worried about them right now. It's definitely more of a concern this year as in comparison to previous seasons. But I feel like we do this dance every single season where a LeBron team is like kind of scuffling. I mean, we're I know it's a weird year. The schedule's all messed up, and this is a little bit later in the season, honestly, than typically it happens. But um, they kind of just 
go through the motions and then we're like, oh, are the Lakers or the Cavs done or the Lakers done. And then they go into the playoffs and they just dominate and they win the title or they at least make the finals. Um, I do agree with you. I'm a little more concerned this year just because of all the injuries and the fact that the Lakers aren't a great team outside of those injuries or outside LeBron and AD. They have some depth, but when you take those two stars out, they're a very mediocre basketball team, in my opinion. Obviously, as, as any team would be if you take their two best players off the roster. So um, Anthony Davis has always had injury issues in the past. When he comes back, who knows if he comes back, um, who knows how healthy and how 100% he'll actually be. And there's also a, a great chance he, he might re-injure it after he comes back um, or maybe pick up a different injury. Who right. knows? Um, LeBron's a machine, but he is old. And we keep we talking about the last few years, but very similar to Tom Brady in the NFL. Like, when is he going to fall off? When's he going to fall off? I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say this is the fall off, but maybe this is the beginning of the end. I don't know. Who knows? Um, I feel like LeBron is going to hear, though. He's not going to hear us, obviously, but he's going to hear the talking heads um, saying how he's done, he's washed, and that's probably going to motivate him. And that's why I'm still – I'm not just going to say the Lakers are done. They're not winning the finals um, because I, I still think there's time for them to get healthy. Um, I, I don't think they're going to fall out of the play-in tournament. I mean, I'm looking at their, their next few games. Uh, New Orleans is a winnable game. Philadelphia is obviously really good. But then they got Cleveland, Orlando. They do got Milwaukee. They got Sacramento. They got like some some very winnable games mixed in with some very um, losable games. So I think they're going to be right around that 500 stretch here until they get their guys back. Hopefully LeBron or AD are able to come back before the playoffs. Because I think if they come back in the playoffs, that could really mess things up for them as well. Um, I think worst case scenario is they end up the sixth seed in the West. Um, I'm looking at the standings right now. They're about two and a half up on the Blazers who are in sixth, but they're four and a half up on the Spurs who are in seventh. So I don't think that, um, I don't think they're going to fall that much. Like I said, they're going to be around 500. I don't have a ton of faith in the Spurs, Mavericks, Warriors, Grizzlies, Pelicans, even um, for sneaking past them um, and, and making the Lakers a play-in tournament team. Um, so I think worst case scenario, they end up the sixth seed. But um, it's definitely, it's definitely worrisome if you're um, if you're a Lakers fan. But at the same time, I'm not ready to hit the you know season's over button because we see this all the time with LeBron teams. But it is. It is a little. It is a little more concerning because it is injury related. It's not just performance related, like it is in, in years past. Yeah, I mean, it's. I wouldn't say I'm totally worried about them going into like being actually into the playoffs or whatever. I feel like it doesn't really matter. What's honestly, it could end up benefiting them to rest LeBron, rest AD. They they fall into the seven eight. They get into a play in game. Those two come back and are fully healthy for the playoffs, and then it. To me, it doesn't really matter what seed there. And honestly, I would prefer yeah. that because I think that would be interesting to have them play. They could try to knock off the Jazz in the first round, which would be yeah. pretty sweet if that was to happen. If they were to, I don't think they fall all the way to the eight. I could definitely see seven though, because I I think the Mavericks are the one team that can that can pass them. I mean, they're only they're only what six games back right now. It kind of depends on. I mean, I expect LeBron to miss at least bare minimum a month, two months. Or more max, I would, and that's pretty much playoff time. So I could see him going from like a month or to to the end of the season, pretty much. Same with AD. I think he still misses a month. Maybe they come back at the same time for for the playoff stretch right before it starts, and then they end up, you know, getting to that six line. But I think they're at least falling to six for sure. I think they fall behind Portland, they fall behind Denver, and then after that, you know, it's a crapshoot. They're not missing the playoffs or anything for sure. They'll. They're, their guys are serviceable enough to get a couple wins here and there against teams that they should beat, but they're definitely gonna. They they got a tough schedule. I also I think I believe it's the third or fourth hardest schedule in the NBA 
uh, you know, in the closing months here. So it's not going to be easy. And, uh, you know, late LeBron teams aren't usually without some, uh, you know, controversy going into the playoffs and they still usually perform. So I, I do agree with you to that point. So we'll have to see how it goes with that, but I'll, I'll jump into my next point. Uh, another huge injury. This one, this one's really sad for anybody that loves league pass, loves watching the NBA. One of the most fun point guards in the league to watch LaMelo ball fractured his wrist. Looks like he's getting a second opinion. Usually doesn't mean much though. He's probably going to miss the rest of the season. And that is really devastating. I hope he still wins rookie of the year, but I don't think he's going to now. Probably will go to Anthony Edwards, even though he doesn't deserve it as much as LaMelo. This one's tough, man, for me. I mean, the Hornets have been one of the most fun teams to watch in the league. They've been a pleasant surprise all year. I think this really hurts their chances come play after them. I think they'll still make the play in at least. Right now, you know, that the East is really up for grabs. It's I feel like if you win one game, you go from the 12 seed all the way to the three seed because it's super close together. A lot of teams competing. So I think they'll at least be a play in team. But, you know, I think this really caps any ceiling they had of, you know, making a potential. I, I think I could I could have envisioned them winning a series if they got the right matchup coming in, coming playoff time. But now I think it's just a first round exit for them if they make it into the playoff field. But uh, what do you think about this Lamella ball injury? How does this affect him going forward, his rookie of the year chances in, and how do you expect them to slide out of the playoff race? Um, so a lot of questions there. First, um, it is a little concerning with the injury um, because I believe, <clears throat> I might be mistaken, but I believe he had some injury concerns when he played overseas and in high school. I think he got a few ticky-tack injuries. Now, this wasn't really a ticky-tack injury, but um, that is something to look monitoring going forward. Um, obviously, we've seen guys in the past who are able to get, you know, not major injuries. This is more of a minor injury and able to recover um, and be the same player, and it doesn't really affect their career. But then we see guys like Porzingis, or that's the first guy that comes to mind. I can't think of Greg Oden from years ago, who are yep. the things keep piling up. So that's, and Brandon Roy, um, where the injuries keep piling up, and it Oh, you want the young promising career is then derailed, but I'm not putting the Lamelo in that status yet. Um, I think he's like you said, there's a chance maybe he comes back, but it's most likely he's going to be done for the rest of the year, even if they make the playoffs. Um, so hopefully we'll have to wait and see next year when he's back and fully healthy. Um, and I think the Hornets are going to be in a, in a very good spot. And in, in a weird way, this could help them out because they're going to probably they're going to lose some games. I don't see them falling out of the play-in tournament um, because right now they're the sixth seed. The Raptors are currently the first team out of the play-in. Um, they're the 11th team in the East at the moment. They've lost nine in a row. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about it here in a second. They're, they might make some moves at the trade deadline. There's a lot of rumors swirling around Norman Powell um, as well as Kyle Lowry. So they could make a move. And currently the uh, the Hornets are, I think, what, four and a half games up on the Raptors. Um, I think this is still a solid team. I think they're going to be able to win enough games to keep in the play-in. I don't think they're going to keep the sixth seed. I would not surprise me if they end up being the 10th seed, if the Knicks, Celtics, Bulls, and Pacers all pass them. Um, however, I still think they're going to be the play-in tournament. But then if they lose the play-in tournament, going full circle here, this is why it's good for them in a weird way, is I think it helps their their lottery odds, and they could probably get a higher pick than they would have this year if Lamelo stayed healthy. Uh, so then next year, you're able to get a better prospect. This year's draft is supposed to be really good. Um, so then it could help them going forward, even though for this season, obviously, it's very disappointing. Because like you said, they're one of the, the funnest teams to watch in the NBA. Um, but they still got a solid team. Terry Rozier was a borderline all-star this year. 
Uh, Gordon Hayward, same thing, borderline all-star. I think they're going to do enough to stay afloat and be in the play-in and maybe even win a game in the play-in. Who knows? Um, but unfortunately, I don't think – I don't love their playoff chances moving forward, but I still think they're still going to be a fun watch even without LaMelo because they were a fun watch when LaMelo was coming off the bench and wasn't playing as much. So um, I think they're going to find a way to, to stay afloat for the most part. Yeah, and I, I kind of like your point about potentially getting a better pick because, you know, you know, sometimes that happens with these teams that, you know, overproduce um, before maybe we expect. Uh, yeah. You don't want to get too good too fast. You know, you still got to uh, accumulate some more good players and maybe they get one of these players on our draft prospects, you know, evaluation yeah. thing we're going to do in a little while. That's a possibility for if they were able to sneak back into the lottery. But, uh, you know, I... I agree. I expect them to kind of stay afloat because Terry Rozier is really their closer. He, he's their killer in the fourth quarter, and he's going to continue to do that. He's He's been fantastic this season, yeah. and that's that's gone under the radar a little bit because of how good LaMelo Ball has been. But Rozier's really been, their, I would say, their best player overall. So, I mean, I, he's going to continue to do his thing. Uh, like you said, Gordon Hayward's going to do his thing, and they still got they got some guys off the bench, you know, Miles Bridges. Uh, PJ Graham, PJ Washington. They got a they got a good young group of guys. Cody Zeller. I mean, I know he's not a great bat. He's not the sexiest player in the world, but he's decent. He's solid, I guess. Yeah, that, that hairline <laughs> doesn't get you going, Drew. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, he, <laughs> hey, he's got. You know, he, he's serviceable at least. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, they they got some guys there. They they can. I mean, they can make it. They can definitely make a series entertaining in the playoffs. I don't expect them to do much in the playoffs, but then again, I didn't really expect a, a deep run this year. Anyway, this is a team that's coming off of a. It feels like basically an entire their entire franchise level rebuild that they've been on over the last thirty five years or whatever, however long they've been a a franchise. But uh, it, it looks like it's finally time to be excited about uh, Hornets basketball, and and I'm I'm happy for them for sure. Uh, it's a, it's a team that I enjoy watching this year on League Pass. It's not going to be the same without Lamelo, but still a team that I'm going to tune in for for sure because they got some other guys that are really fun to watch. But I'll jump into our next point here. Uh, yeah, so we, you kind of alluded to it before with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, looks like you know they've, they've basically free fallen in the standings. They have been absolutely terrible. Uh, they, they have no depth. It feels, it feels like they got nobody coming off the bench right now. Their starting lineup's not producing at the same level it has before with Siakam. Honestly, does he's been super disappointed this year, averaging under twenty points a game after what would I consider a you know I thought maybe it was a potential. Uh, you know, going into his prime breakout, but it really looked like more of just an anomaly last year. Uh, so he, he's back to the, he's kind of regressed back to the mean. Fred Van Vliet, I mean, he's he's inefficient, but he's he can score, I guess. So he's, he's whatever. Norman Powell has really been their bright spot, but like you said, has been potentially in trade rumors, which if they trade up for Andre Drummond, that's... That's a punishable by death offense right there. I mean, this is a Norm, Norman Powell is a fantastic player. Andre Drummond is not, but the guy I really want to talk about. We don't have to talk about this team. They're not really that interesting. One of the most boring teams to watch in the league, in my opinion, too this year. But uh, the guy we got to talk about is Kyle Lowry because people. I this is according to Brian Winhurst. It was on NBA Central's Twitter today. His free agency basically starts right now. Uh, like that, this is whatever team wants to trade for him. They're they're going to pay him a contract pretty much within the next week, at, for a couple years, I'm assuming, and this will basically be the deal he retires on. Uh, you know, Lowry's still got a lot of game left. He's not obviously not quite the same athletic. He's never been really focused on his athleticism or his shooting. He's more of that he's got that toughness, 
you know, he's going to take you, he's going to scratch you all game. He's going to bump you. He's, he's really physical. He's still a good player, in my opinion. I don't think he's really fallen off that much. Uh, maybe he's not quite as good as he was when they when they won the NBA Finals. Not not as much of an explosive or a little bit less explosive as an athlete, but he's still he's got the leadership. He's got he's a good defender. He's going to give you good playmaking. He can shoot a little bit. He can score inside. He he's a pretty good all around guard still, in my opinion. And I got a guy that has made a case for a Hall of Fame career. I think he will make the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. But this is the last deal he's going to be on. This is any chance he's got to boost his resume, uh, you know, increase his legacy to get into the uh, Hall of Fame. But, uh, you know, what do you think about this Kyle Lowry news? And is there a team that you most want to see him land with? I, I was in the camp before that I think it's more likely they might trade him in the offseason than they will at the deadline. Um, the the quote you brought up that was very interesting because it kind of changes that it seems like it, it goes back and forth is there's just reports that he's they're going to trade him and then there's reports he's not going to trade him and it goes back and forth so we're just gonna have to wait and see um once the deadline actually comes and passes and see if what the actual plan is but in terms of a team i think the most obvious fit is philadelphia um i think they have the picks they got some interesting young players the raptors might be interested in um, i believe they can make the money work they have some contracts there um and lowry obviously he's probably the best He's obviously the most talented player the Raptors have had. I think um, uh, Vince Carter, Chris Bosh, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I was like, well, who's the other Kawhi Leonard? Uh, DeMar DeRozan even I think might be a little more talented than Lowry. But Lowry, when you think of Raptors, when you think of Toronto basketball, Lowry's the first guy you think of. Yep. H- however, um, he's from Philadelphia. He went to Villanova for college. Um, Daryl Morey, who is there, he's not the GM, but I think he's like the president of basketball ops there. Um, he was in Houston when Lowry was in Houston and traded him. And uh, he, I believe he's on record as saying that's one of the biggest regrets he's ever had in his life, trading Lowry away. Um, so I, I think it just makes way too much sense. Philadelphia also, um, you said about helping his legacy. I think Philadelphia is legitimate title contenders right now. Um, so they could go there. Um, you could have him facilitate. You, you can move Ben Simmons more off ball. Um, he's a, Lowry's a, um, a decent shooter, so he can pop the three a little bit. Um, he gives them that like title because the Sixers, I think they've, I don't think they've been to a conference finals, correct me if I'm wrong, in the Simmons and Beat era. So Lowry gives them some playoff experience, some championship experience. Um, I think the Sixers just makes, from a hometown perspective, from a what they can offer the Raptors perspective, from just where the team's at right now perspective, it just it makes sense all over the place. And I just think he's destined to be a Sixer. He also just, like, when I, in my, I think in my head, he just I can just see him wearing a Philadelphia 76ers jersey. So, um like I said, it just makes too much sense. So I think that's that's the team if he gets traded. I, I, I'm still hesitant to say he's going to get traded. I still think he's probably going to stay with the team most likely. But um, I think the Sixers just – it makes way too much sense. But what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean the Sixers are probably the clear destination one. I'll, I'll bring up my other destination. That would be the Miami Heat. I, I think they're really – their point guard position's not bad. I mean, they got Kendrick Nunn, but I feel like he's a tradable piece. Uh, they got Goran Dragic, too. He's been whatever as well. But I think Lowry really gives them a chance to make a run here. They've gotten hot recently. They're a team that, I mean, I think they're good enough to potentially make another run. I don't. They're not the favorites to win the title or by any means, but they're definitely a team that I could see with their defense making a run to the finals. I think that's a possibility for them for sure. They're definitely in the contending at least in the contending field for sure. So I think, uh, but I think if you make a move for Lowry here without giving up in it, like all your assets, I mean, if you give up like a guy like Kendrick Nunn, I think that's all right. And maybe another piece, but uh, 
you add Lowry to that Miami Heat team, I think they get better for sure. I think that's a team that you could potentially – they get legitimately scary in in the uh, East. I think they, they are one of the top competitors. Same with the, the you know Sixers as well. I think those are really the clue, two clear destinations. I think if, if either team adds them, they, they gain a leg up on the rest of the conference. So I think – it's it's going to be very interesting to see. I I do think he gets traded before the deadline, which we'll we'll talk. We'll have a full deadline recap pretty much right after, pretty much right after the free agency period ends. So I'm ex- very excited for that. I don't know about you, Drew. I'm just hoping that it's not a big letdown and we end up having to cancel the episode because nothing happens. But Lowry would be a, a one of the top names that we'll end up discussing on that video if if it ends up coming to fruition. But I'll jump into some other points here. These ones, you know, just I'll I'll run through really quick, and then we can get into the draft prospects after. Uh, CJ McCollum's return was last week. He's been kind of up and down so far in his return, but it's it's good to have him back for sure. For as a Blazers fan, DeAndre Hunter also returning for the the surging Hawks right now, which we may talk about later as well. Uh, this one, uh, the Rockets, Houston Rockets, finally snapped their 20, 20 game loss streak with a win last night. Uh, good for them, but. Still a team that I expect to make some potentially potential moves at the deadline as well, trading some pieces away. And then lastly, Blake Griffin's first dunk in two years. Great for him, man, with the Nets. I don't know if you saw it, but it was a pretty good move by him. Uh, obviously, the getting out of Detroit air was able to give him a little bit more bounce so he could still dunk. But, uh, you know, a lot of news that we talked about or whatever. Do you have anything to add before we get into our draft prospects? Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned Blake Griffin there because I, this is a rant. Um, I've uh, I've actually mentioned it to some friends uh, and my dad a couple times, um, but like I think Blake Griffin's a complete fraud. Um, I'm just gonna quite come out and say it because, yes, did he not do the James Harden crap where he was at strip clubs and everything and was pouting and everything like that? Yes, but I mean he looked like he was like a 65 year old man out there playing basketball for the entirety of the season, and then he comes to the Nets and he's dunking and he's looking like normal Blake again what are you kidding me and he's like oh you know detroit this detroit that and he's like he's got to take every night and he does he's done the same thing with the nets but he's got to take every night off and when he's out there he's like barely moving it's like maybe the the pistons training staff just that bad or was he just kind of i mean i get it the pistons sucked but he said all this stuff in the media like oh you know you know playoffs and blah 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 and and he's just barely was just quite frankly half-assing it out there so it's very frustrating and also the other thing that was frustrating to me is Every guy who leaves a team sends the, I mean, we're Lions fans, as you can, you could know from our NFL episodes, Matthew Stafford, of course it's different. Stafford's relationship with Detroit is different than Blake's relationship with Detroit, but Stafford sends this like eight minute video, just inspirational thing about how he loves the city and everything. He posts a bunch of stuff. Jared Goff, they kicked him out of the town and he's like, thank you, LA. Thank you, Rams. You know, we're looking forward to Detroit. You know what Blake Griffin posted? Nothing. No posts, no anything, no like, hey, you know, Detroit, thank you. It was just some press release saying, yeah, we mutually agreed to part ways. Are you kidding me? I don't get anything, nothing, nothing. And then the next thing he posts is saying, like, happy to be in Brooklyn or whatever. It's like, screw you, Blake. <laughs> you know, he's doing some stupid prank show on True TV that I've seen advertised in Sword during March Madness. Have fun with that, you washed up piece of garbage, whatever. I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> wow all right that that was very passionate uh, i wasn't expecting that to be your rant today but um 
on the Blake Griffin thing, I just had to add something. He he did mention Detroit, but he said we he compared us to like the girlfriend that you are, you know, just waiting to break up with, and it's just not. Yeah, the was same, that true right? though? Was he actually say that, or did he was that just someone I, saying you said that? I saw that thing that, too. I don't know if he if he actually said that, then he can seriously. I hope he tears his ACL and can never walk again. Quite frankly, I don't know. Uh, I, mean, I, don't know. <laughs> I can only imagine that he said it. I saw. I don't know. I saw it on Twitter. So I saw it. But then I looked on it up. Twitter is super true. So yeah, so you can't. I saw you it, and I, I I did some more research, and it, it didn't seem like it was just like someone just said he said that, even though he didn't. So if he did say it though, then screw you, Blake, even more. But I just want to get it off off my chest because I was just like. It was just both the dunk and then the not. Just like even if you're just faking it, just give it to us, man. We're the Pistons. We suck. We've been sucking for like 15 years now, man. Just say like, thanks, bro. Like, thank you to City. You know, looking forward to Brooklyn. Do this generic thing everybody does. Why can't you do anything? Why can't you give me that fan service, Blake? But whatever. He's not going to watch this. He doesn't care about my opinion. He's making millions of dollars, but. Maybe that's why Kendall Jenner broke up with him because he's a jerk. Wow. But okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Kendall Jenner broke up with him because he didn't he didn't thank Pistons fans. Got it. All right. Let's jump into the draft prospects now. After on that note. Uh I'll start it off for this. You know, one of my favorite I've been extremely advocate of this player. It's a very chalky player to talk about. I'll have a more interesting one for my second pick here, but I'm definitely going to talk about this guy. I am absolutely in love with USC center Evan Mobley. I think this guy, I think he's the best center prospect since maybe cat. Honestly, I think he's that good. I think he's better than Deandre. And I think he's better than uh, James Wiseman. I'm just infatuated with this guy's game. I mean, he's he better he's than a, Marvin Bagley though. Is he better than Marvin Bagley? Oh, I mean, or Jill no, Okafor? What about Jill Okafor? Obviously not. I mean, those guys are superstars. <laughs> but um, you know, as a prospect, Mobley, I mean, he's he's like seven one. He he's you know a, a little bit more on the thin side. He's not he's not he doesn't have that bulk of a lot of other players. Where where he doesn't have that, he lacks the bulk. He makes more than makes up for with this freaking insane wingspan. This guy, I he he swallows up every shot imaginable on the defensive side. I mean, you see it in the tournament so far. This this guy blocks everything down there. I feel like he changes every shot on the court. He's he's absolutely ridiculous on the defense. I mean, this is a team that leads I believe they lead the entire nation in blocks. They definitely lead the tournament field in blocks. And then you've seen it. Uh their defense is incredible. He's an utterly fantastic defender. On the offensive end, he's not he's not someone that takes a ton of he doesn't need a ton of shots to stay active in the offense. I think he's a guy that uh, he's pretty efficient with his uh, movements on the offensive end. He's a good screener. He he can he can step out to the three point line, shoot a little bit. He was around a little bit over thirty percent for three. Not anything insane, but I feel like that's something that he can develop throughout his career. It's similar to Cat. He didn't come in right away as a insane shooter from outside, but he developed it pretty quickly. So I think that's one area Mobley can grow in for sure. But around the rim, I think he's a good finisher. He 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 knows where to be on the court. Uh, struggles from the line a little bit too. Uh, I think that's another area he can improve. But what I really like about him on the offensive end has nothing to do with his scoring ability. It's all about his facilitating ability. This is a guy. I mean, he only averages about two point five assists per game in terms of the uh, you know the entire season. But in the tournament, I, I noticed uh, at least. In the round of 32 game, he was against Kansas. They were doubling him every time he got the ball, pretty much. He would kick it out to an open shooter, and they were knocking it down. He had, I believe he had five or six assists in the game, and it was I, I was really impressed with the way he was passing in that game. So just in general, I think this is one of the 
honestly one of the best prospects in terms of just being a complete player that we've had in the draft like in the last five years. I think he's one of the best. I, I'm really that convinced. I think he's going to be an absolute stud in the NBA. I mean, obviously, and you may talk about this guy too, Kate Cunningham. Uh, he's going to be the number one pick most likely. But I, if if our Detroit Pistons get Mobley at two, I will be just as happy as if they get Kate at one personally because I am – I'm that big of a fan of him. I'm I, I'm in love with him, man. Yeah, I mean he's a <clears throat> he's a modern big man, right? I mean he's really good Easily. defensively. I mean you mentioned Cat, how he maybe was a little more polished offensively coming out of college. I mean Mobley is way more polished defensively coming out of college than Cat oh, was. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and if anything, a little concern maybe is Cat regressed. If anything, from college defense to NBA, uh, hopefully it doesn't happen with Mobley. But I think he could be really good. The the problem with him though is like he he is very thin, I believe. Um, so he's gonna have to put a little more weight on um, going against like the big guys in, in the NBA, um, like your, your Jokic's, your Embiid's, your Bams. He's going to have to put a little more muscle on, but he's still young. He's what, like 19, right? So that's, that outcome with time. Um, offensively, I know you mentioned his playmaking a little bit, but he, he does have to improve that a little bit as well. But um, I'm right there with you. I mean, I think Cade with the amount of just uh, buzz that's been around him forever, it seems like now, um, he's, got to be the number one pick almost similar to like in the NFL draft where it's like Zach Wilson might go number one at this point, Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick since like 2017. So he's got to go number one. Um, and I think that's gonna be with Cade, but I think Mobley is definitely a first overall pick talent. I will, I'll put it this way. I think if, if Mobley was in last year's draft class, I think he'd hands down be the number one. Easily. Pick. No question. Easily. Um, well, maybe not because Minnesota had the first overall pick and they already had cat, but um, they maybe could have paired them up together. Cause I think he, yeah, he would have definitely thing. been the, he, he would have been the best prospect, hands down, right. in last year's draft. Um, so, I yeah, I'm right there can, with you. Uh, you no, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I think he can play a lot. Just to touch up on that, I think he can play alongside another big. If if Minnesota ends up getting the first or second pick again this year, I think they'd take him still because I think he could play alongside another big because he's, he's, he doesn't need a ton of touches, and he's a really good defender. I think he could play the four a little bit too. Yeah, and I, and I think he could pair nicely with a guy like Cat, who's not. Now I think about it more. That's not great defensively, but it's great offensively. And then you just get that really, you know, twin towers, one-two approach, two modern big men. Um, it, it's a really matchup nightmare too for any other team as well. So um, even though, like I said, even though Cade's going to get all the headlines um, and going to be the number one overall pick. Hopefully it's the Pistons, but whatever team is there at two, I think they're going to get a really, really nice young prospect in Mobley. Um, yeah, and, and I'm going to show a little Pistons bias too, but I like, I'm not really going to talk about it. I don't know if you're going to talk about him, so I apologize if I'm going to overstep here a little bit. But um, really, Jalen Green, I'm a little worried about a little bit, but um, I still think he's a really good prospect. Uh, and then, But then Suggs, Mobley, Cade, and then also um, Jonathan Kuminga as well. I think all four of those guys, I think they easily would have been the number one overall pick last year. And yeah. Jalen Green is also really good as well. So, um, any of the teams that are in the top five, I think are going to be really happy because they're going to walk away with a potential, you know, top two level talent, even if you're picking at that five. So um, did you have anything else you wanted to add with, I know Mobley's your guy. I could have bet money. You were going to talk about him because I know he's your dude. Do you have anything you want to add before I jump into my guy? No, I just, I'll, I'll just summarize it with, I just think he's personally the most complete player in this draft class. Definitely shouldn't go one because of Cade's, you know, being six, eight and just a, you know, having that ball handling ability, basically being like a Ben Simmons size and then can also shoot. He's going to be ridiculous, obviously, too. But Mobley, he, you can run. I feel like you can you can establish an offense through him. So I'm really excited to see what he ends up doing. But uh, go ahead, man. You can jump into your first guy now. 
I don't uh, real quick. I don't think this is going to impact his trade stock. But Cade did not play well in the tournament at all. And no, Mobley, he did I mean, not. He really didn't. <clears throat> OK State is of course done now. Um, and Mobley's still going um, in the Sweet 16. So I mean, he's been playing well. So if he keeps playing well, I don't think scouts are going to overreact like we do um, after March Madness. But um, it, it could make things a little more interesting and make teams think twice about maybe because Cade he didn't play well. But like you said, in today's NBA, a point guard of Cade's size and, and talent and skill set um, is, is a little more valuable than a center like Mobley, but Mobley's still going to be a, a really good player. But um, sticking with the centers, um, I'm going to go with a guy who this guy is not going to be a first round pick, but I'm watching this guy play and you're reading the, you're reading the, the notes and everything and they're talking about him and his NBA. Is he going to go to the NBA? You know, how's, how is he going to do in the NBA? Is he going to be good? What's going to happen with him? Um, and he's just a really interesting player because I think, a wide range of outcomes could result for this guy, and it's it's Luca Garza. I think um, he's a center. He's a if he, if this was if he was coming out of college in like 1996, I think he could have one of like you know four MVPs in the early 2000s. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is just it's not the NBA. I'm gonna play devil's advocate here, but everyone says that the NBA is not suited to to Garza's skill set now um, because he's. 611 265 uh he 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 works hard but he's not fast he's not quick um we talk about how mobley plays defense garza doesn't play great defense however offensively speaking garza is like he's he's improved his three-point shooting which is very need that if you're going to be a big man in today's nba he shot 30 about 36 percent last season which is still pretty good he shot 44 percent from three this year i mean that's really nice um averaging about 24 9 over the last two seasons he does need to improve his playmaking a little bit more um but he's an elite i would say an elite offensive big man and i think that will translate in the nba for the most part um i i think he's gonna find a way to stick around is what i want to say um and i i think the upside i know people i mean if you just take him in the second round there's so many garza is was the best player in college for two years in a row so just take a flyer on this guy in the second round and see what happens. I mean, I think he could if he, you know, you get the training staff, you diet in the NBA. The, the staffs are no offense to college, but they're better than um, they're better in the NBA. I think if he trims down a little bit, works on his defense, the offensive skill set is there. If he is able to improve the playmaking a little bit, I mean, I watch this guy play. I'm like, I mean, he could be a Nikola Jokic type, right? I mean, I don't know if he's going to be an MVP, but a big lumbering dude that's able to shoot the three is you know a, not great defensive player but he's decent uh he's able to hold his own um i think he could do that i think he could even play alongside a guy like a carl anthony towns um or a, like an elite level center i think he could be a really good stretch four um because he's 6 11 which is obviously huge um but maybe not as big for a center it's a really good power forward like i said he's got the offensive game i think people are just like oh well he's a big lumbering white guy he's gonna suck in the nba I just want to pause there because I think he's still going to be good. And and is Jokic like the absolute best case scenario? Yes. I think worst case scenario, I still think he turns into like an Ennis Cantor type guy who's a solid, <laughs> solid player and he's going to stick around the NBA for a while. So um, I know you mentioned him last yesterday in our group chat, which is why I knew you were not going to talk about Luca Garza. But to me, he's outside of like the big name guys. I think he's a very intriguing prospect just because um, – he was like, like I said, the best player in the in the college basketball for two years, um, and now he's probably going to be a second round pick. But I guess it just shows you how contrasting the two styles of game play are. Um, but I'll let you take the floor here. What do you think about Luca Garza? All right, I mean, okay, so I 
I understand where you're coming from, and I'm not gonna totally trash your opinion. I, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna start off by saying he is not going to be Nikola Jokic because he can't pass. He's not a very good passer. That's what I so said. That, but if he develops that, that, if he develops that, who knows? It's not going to. <laughs> no, it's, it's not gonna happen. Um, to me, my my NBA comp for him, and this might sound gross to you, it's Kelly Olynyk. Uh, that's my comp for him. He's, he's a face up. <laughs> he's a face up five kind of undersized, bigger, can shoot the three ball, which is – this is why he's appealing. He can shoot the three ball. I, that's all I really care about. He, he will get drafted because he can shoot the three ball. So, for me, I mean, A, he, he can't play power forward. He's not he's not fast enough. He'd have to drop probably 35, 40 pounds. Whereas Mobley's like 210. He could actually move around. Garza's 260 right now. He, he ain't playing power forward. But <laughs> – to me, he's a he's a backup center. He can play. He can come off the bench and provide some good offensive game. Defense is going to be a huge problem for him, in my opinion, because he doesn't have athleticism. He's not fast. People are going to absolutely expose him and pick and roll because they're they're going to be have to run pick and roll drop coverage every time. So he's going to every if you have a guy like Curry, a guy like Damian Lillard out there running pick and rolls, this guy's going to be absolutely lost out there. But in second units, maybe he can handle it. I'm not quite as high on you as Luca Garza. I think he's a second-round pick. Uh, he obviously in college has been dominant against the Big Ten, but when you watch him play against another potentially NBA-caliber center, like a Kofi Coburn, a Hunter Dickinson, he, he didn't play very good. He he dominates against the, the weak matchups. He When he runs into a tougher matchup, he doesn't play quite as well. I know he had 36 points against Oregon. Oregon doesn't really have a center. They don't really have a guy that can match up with Luca Garza. If they if they did any, and they also lost the game too. So it's not like he he was getting torched in the defensive end too because they they gave him 95 points. So I mean, it's just for me. I mean, yeah, he he's awesome and he's been awesome in college. Uh, I think the really the the real appealing trait with him is the fact that he can shoot the three ball, and that's and that's what that's why I compared him to Kelly Olynyk because. Olenek's a good shooter. I mean, this is why he's still in the league right now. He's not some outstanding finisher around the rim. He's not a great defender. I mean, obviously, he can get some rebounds. He's up there in size. I'm sure Garza can grab rebounds, but he's not like an Ennis Cantor type where he's going to go hunt those offensive boards, in my opinion. I think he's more of the traditional, yeah, he can he can get, he can can get get you some defensive rebounds, and he can shoot the three ball. So I like, for me, Kelly Olenek's my, almost my perfect comparison. And maybe he's a little bit better than Kelly Olenek, but... You lost me a little bit with the Jokic stuff because I don't think he's quite the pass. Honestly, I don't think he's as – and Jokic is a little bit gumpy too, but he's not He's not the same athlete as Jokic either, and he never will be. That's just my opinion. I don't think he's – he doesn't have that in the cards, but I think a Kelly Olenek type, a souped-up version of Kelly Olenek where he's you know 15 and 10-ish shooting 40% from three is, is probably the most ideal outcome for him in my opinion. I'm a little okay, bit so lower though. I said, okay, so I said absolute best case scenario. If he trims, like you said, if he trims down, if he develops the playmaker. I mean, I in hindsight, you could probably say about any player. Oh, yeah, I this, could say that this, about they could be LeBron. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but that was, I just, watching him play, maybe because he's just an awkward white guy and he's lumbering down, I was like, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Jokic, but he doesn't have the playmaking at all. Um, and I, that's what I meant. Like, that's absolute best case scenario. And I think there is a, 
a very weird and long roadmap that he could turn into that, which is why if you're second round pick, I mean, just take a flyer on him and see what happens. Um, but I, I do like the Kelly Olynyk comp too, because Kelly Olynyk was another guy who was really good in college. And then now he's been like a, a solid bench guy. He's in the a NBA. serviceable big. Yeah. Sure. Um, can give you a spot start here and there due to an injury. I think that could, that's most likely going to be Luca Garza's um, end result and role. Um, but I just wanted to bring him up because everyone, I feel like people overall are like, oh, this guy's never going to play in the NBA. I think he's going to find a way to play in the NBA, even if it's like in a Kelly Olynyk like role, like you mentioned there. But um, yeah, I'll let you get into to your uh, to your second prospect. Yeah, my second prospect is another guy that I really really like. It's one of my one of my favorite players in college this year, and he's literally a carbon. No, he's not a carbon copy, but he he's basically Donovan Mitchell, but in college form. It's Davion Mitchell, the prospect from the <laughs> Baylor Bears, six two point guard, two hundred five pounds. He's a little bit, you know, he's he's got that, you know, it's he's literally he he kind of looks like Donovan Mitchell on the court. He wears number forty five. He he he's that little, you know, he's smaller, that thicker build guard. You know, Kyle Lowry, Donovan Mitchell esque build, where you know he's he's gonna you know, body people a little bit. I really, really like his game. And I think he could be, you know, he's probably not going to be a top 10 pick, but I, I could see, you know, late lottery, early, you know, you know, late teens, early 20s for him as a selection. I think this is a guy that can come in, instantly make an impact for a team. He's a very good defender. He's an outstanding defender on the defensive. You know, he, his nickname's off night because he just absolutely clamps up the, the you know, the opposing guy that he's going to cover every night. Uh, and he can also shoot as well. I mean, he's 52% from the floor, 40, 46 from three, you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't have that shot creating ability, Donovan Mitchell, and I'm not going to compare him to Donovan Mitchell, but you know, I, they do, there is some similarities both in their name number and the way they play. In my opinion, I think Donovan or Davion Mitchell, geez, is, uh, I think he's a really interesting draft prospect. Uh, it's, it's tough to compare him to anybody for me right now. Not, a, not anybody really jumping off the page. Drew Holiday potentially is a, is a good comp for me. I think that one's decent because he's got that two-way ability. Uh, you know, obviously that would probably be more of the upper end of what he can be because he, he is six two. He's not like I don't think he's going to be some absolute an MVP candidate or anything like that because he doesn't quite have as good of an offensive game as like a Donovan Mitchell would as that smaller guard as a Damian Lillard. But he, he could develop it for sure. But I I like him. I think he's a he's a safe pick. He's a good pick for a team that's in that uh, you know middling he, he's a guy that can he's i think he has a ceiling but he's also i think he's going to come in with a little bit uh, a decently polished nba role and he's going to come in and make an instant impact doesn't need the ball a ton to make an impact either kind of similarly to mobley in that in that where he doesn't need a ton of shots to get involved because he's pretty efficient takes good looks and a super good defender too but i uh, a guy that i really enjoy watching so far in the tournament uh, I, i've made i've made a point to tune in a baylor game he's one of my favorite players in college basketball this year. But, you know, if you watch him at all, he's a good time, man, for sure, with his defensive intensity. But do you have anything to add with that? His free throw shooting is disgusting. Uh, he's only shooting 66% from the line. It's not great. Not, not great, uh, especially for a guard. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely one of those guys. Um, I'm blanking on a name, but a, a guy who was really good in college and then comes in and he's a really solid backup point guard for you can give you a spot start. I mean, I'm felt it sounds like I'm saying the same thing as for Luca Garza, but um, yeah, he could I mean, be like a, a defensive specialist type of guy. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like a top 
top pick. Um, so I think if you get to that late first round, maybe even early second round where you're just kind of taking flyers on guys, I definitely think Mitchell is a, is a really nice option there. Um, because like you said, there's a lot, there's a lot of positives. There are some negatives too, that which prevents him from being a top end, top end guy. Um, however, um, as we've seen in the past NBA coaches and teams are able to work with t- guys that are as talented as Mitchell. And I think they're able to, 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 craft them into a very reliable NBA guy. I, I, I could see him being a really good, maybe like a, I don't know, Marcus Smart type of guy. Yeah, that's maybe. a good, that's a good comp. Actually. Um, that's actually a really good comp. I yeah, like that he, a lot. He can, I think they're, Marcus Smart is probably a little bit bigger, I think. But the the height bit. wise, they're probably about the same. I mean, Smart's a little bit more built. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that could, when you, when you were, when we were talking about him and I was thinking about like what his comp would be, I think I thought Smart was like the first guy that came to mind. So, um, and smart. I mean, he was, he was a, what a top 10 pick, I think. Um, yeah. so if you get that level of a player, um, in the late rounds, um, and, and smarts etched out a really nice role for himself in the NBA as a starter slash sixth man. So I think that the same could be for Mitchell. And I think if you're a team, like I said, late first, early second, that could really uh, benefit from a guy like Mitchell yeah. and the Pistons too. They have, they have second round picks, right? Maybe early second round, they take a flyer on a guy like Mitchell. That'd be pretty cool. People are saying his projected draft spot is 17, so I don't think he's going to fall oh, that yeah. far. But he'll be, uh, you know, a mid, a mid-ish, uh, first-round pick. Yeah, mid and, to late first. Yeah, and I think he's a good player for sure. I mean, they got another really good guard and Jared Butler as well on Baylor, who will also yeah. probably be in that range. And maybe those two kind of cannibalize each other's value. But either one of those guys could be still. I also really like Jared Butler's game. I just think Davion's got a little bit more translate to NBA vibe to me because of that outstanding defense. He does actually really, I think Marcus Smart's a, I can't believe how good of a comparison that is. That's a really good, <laughs> I think he can be that. I think he could be that level of a player where he's, you know, the offense maybe takes a little bit longer into his NBA career to come to, you know, develop where smarts, I think smarts a pretty good, at least a good three point shooter. Now but that defense day one is going to get him playing time. In my opinion, I think he's a perfect guy. If you need, if you don't need that, you know, you need just a, a guy that can fill a roster spot right away. He's a he's a good option for me. Yeah, I'm quickly trying to bring up Marcus Smart's stats. Um, I don't know how it is because I, I I've offhand. Oh, he's he's actually a worse at least this season or career wise. He's a worse three point shooter than um, uh, Davion is in the at least in the NBA. Um, he's he's a just over thirty percent career, and this year he's. 33%. So he's actually a little worse than three point shooter. So um, I, I really, I believe smart has struggles from the free throw line too. That was why I, that's why also it clicked in my head, but um, was it the way and see, I, like you said, mid to late first. Um, I think that's why not take a flyer on a guy like that, who the, the clear upside is, is Marcus smart. who is a very solid player, but um, if you have anything else to add, I can throw in my final prospect here real quick. Yeah, let's hear it. So people are going to think um, I'm biased, but I mean, did you really think I wasn't going to mention a, a Michigan basketball player when I got my Michigan stuff on? It's Franz Wagner for me. And I know people are going to be like, oh, you know, you're just going to, you know, just talk about how great he is. I'm actually not. I think Franz is a little bit overrated in my opinion. Um, and I, I think he might be one of those guys who um, his his game translates better for the NBA than in college because he just kind of like is non-existent for large stretches of the game just like their game against LSU the other night. Um, he was just either crappy or you didn't even notice he was on the court. And then next thing you know, he's like going off in the second half. He's being offensive rebounds, locking up on defense, playing well. Um, he's just, the inconsistency really concerns me with Franz because people, I'm looking at some draft boards. People have him as like a top 10 
potential pick. Um, maybe uh, top 10, maybe like late lottery, maybe just out of the lottery, which I did not think just watching him for these last two years, I did not think Franz was that great of a player. Um, however, he's got the shooting sometimes. Um, he's really, really good defensively most of the time. Um, he's got some <laughs> decent play. He's got some decent playmaking. Um, but like I said, he's just, he's non-existent sometimes on the court. And yeah, it might be my problem because I'm comparing him to his brother, Mo. Um, and Mo was obviously like a really, really good player in college. Um, but then in the NBA, he's like, he's, he's a decent, sometimes starter for the wizards. Um, he's not a bad NBA player by any means, but he's not good. So that's why I think maybe, you know, Mo's game was better for college. And then uh, Franz's game was better for the NBA. So maybe he will be a top 10 level guy, but like Mo, I think was l- like, late late first round maybe even early second round so um might just be some bias on my part that i'm comparing them to and in terms of college franz has had nowhere near the impact that that mo's had at least in my opinion um but yeah he's just not super not super athletic could work on his offensive game um and even his shooting too could improve as well but um what do you think about franz yeah i mean franz i mean i'm not a michigan fan so i could try i mean i'm I'm a Michigan State fan, but I'll try to keep it unbiased. Uh, Franz, I I agree with. Well, I I think he his game is better suited for the NBA. You know, he's he's had plenty of flashes as a Michigan basketball player when he's when he's that aggressive player on the offensive end. Yeah, he can make a big impact on both sides of the ball. And and I think what's really appealing about him is that he's six nine and two two hundred and twenty pounds. He's got plenty of size. I mean, this is a guy that's got he's really long arms. It's why he's a good defender. He's got he's got a big wingspan. Uh, he's going to be a versatile wing defender, and I think that's what people like. I, I'm going to compare him to a guy that just got drafted. He's not quite as good as him, but Patrick Williams to me is the first name that comes to mind. He's not not quite as polished on the offensive end, but he's got that defensive prowess. I mean, and, and Patrick Williams wasn't some – he came off the bench for Florida State. It's not like he was some yeah. insane – 20 points per game guy in college. He was basically just like a, a 10. He averaged like about 10 a game was inconsistent, kind of similarly to Franz, but has it's really translated in the NBA. And no, I don't think Franz is quite as good as Patrick, but I, he's got a lot of those appealing qualities as a, as a player. You know, he could, he can do a little bit of everything on the offensive end. He's not a great shot creator, but you know, he can, he can shoot the three ball a little bit. He can, He's pretty efficient around the paint as well. He can he can do a little bit of passing, average three assists a game. That's not terrible for a forward either. Um, I, I like Franz. I, I don't think he's going to be some superstar in the NBA, but similar to that, I think he's similar to Davion Mitchell where he's got – he comes in and he can make an instant impact with his defense and that will get him playing time, and then the offense will come later into his career in my opinion. And that's where I think him and Patrick Williams are different. I think Williams is already a little bit more polished offensively. I think he – He's uh, got a higher ceiling on the offensive end, but defensively and, you know, in terms of what their role on a team can be, I think pretty similar for those two guys. So I, I like Franz. I think he's going to end up being early teens. He'll go before a guy like Davion Mitchell, in my opinion. He'll probably go between, you know, 10 and, and 16 is where I would assume. But I, I do like him for sure. I, as a, you know, Michigan disliker, I can still appreciate that Franz at least has a game that can translate to the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad we talked about it because I, I want to bring him up because I thought my mindset I thought was correct where he just seems like he might be just a better NBA player. But like seeing all these things, I've been watching Michigan obviously the last two years pretty pretty consistently, almost watching every game. And I'm just like, this is an NBA guy? Like what? But 
Um, like we talked about with Luca Garza before, Luca Garza is a really good college player, but he's probably not going to be a good NBA player. Um, and Franz is just the, the, the opposite. And honestly, I mean, if I had to choose between being a really good college player or being a really good NBA player, I'd probably choose the Franz route and be a really good NBA player. Cause you're going to make a lot more money. So, yep. um, I think I'm, he's going to be a guy. A lot of times the Michigan guys that get drafted, I'm just kind of like, okay, they'll probably be, you know, play here and there, like a Tim Hardaway Jr. types. Um, but Franz, I think, like you said, I think he could have the potential to be a, a really solid um, defensive, you know, small forward, um, maybe even play some stretch four here and there yep. um, for a good team. And I think if he does go top 10, he's probably still going to end up on a relatively crappy team. But if he drops a little more and he's able to find himself on like a, playoff team or a borderline playoff team i think he could really really help the team out a lot um yeah. maybe it'd be cool if he ends up on the wizards to go with uh to go with mo but i don't really know if that would work for his long-term development either but um r- really quick before we hopped into our nba specific topics i really just wanted to say um if you're not watching them right now you got to watch the big three of gonzaga uh, yeah, Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy, and Jalen Suggs. Um, Jalen Suggs obviously getting the, most of the most of the um, headlines, but I Drew went off against Oklahoma, and then Kispert too has been really good as Kispert, well. Kispert, I'm excited about him. Yeah, he can, two guys he can absolutely splash from three. yes, and they're two guys the I feel like have been are. have been under the radar for the most part. And I think I think Kispert will probably go around the same range as as Franz. Um, yeah, Suggs is going to be a top five pick. Kispert's probably going to be um, you know mid to late lottery. And then I think Drew, you could probably get him probably. I think he's probably still a first round pick. Um, but probably, probably, late, probably, yeah. Late first round. Um, but I think all three of those guys, they're really, really good. Um, and in the past, Gonzaga's kind of been a, a tough watch and hasn't had a lot of great NBA level guys. Um, but this year they got three guys who I think could make instant impacts in the NBA. So if you're not watching Gonzaga basketball yet, uh, you better um, start watching them because I think they can help your team. And that wasn't a yeah. threat, even though it sounded kind of like a threat after I said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really quick before I, I'll jump into my topic right after this. But yeah, I'm I really like Kispert's game a lot. I mean, this guy can absolutely I'm in love with shooting. So, you know, obviously I'm going to like him a lot, but he's got some size as well. I think he's got the potential to be a lot more than just a spot up shooter in the NBA. So, I mean, he's not going to go before Suggs, obviously, but I'm very, very intrigued by his game. And I mean, you know, all three of them, I, I definitely are going to be. I say probably all three of them will go in the first round. Definitely Suggs and Kispert for sure. But yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see where these guys end up going, or what teams these guys end up going to. And if we end up with, if the Detroit Pistons end up with Jalen Suggs, I'm not going to complain because he's a great player too. So if we end up with him, yeah. not the worst of, situation yeah, in the world. I don't love it because we already got Killian Hayes. But this nah, is, I don't this care. Is, we're not, we're not talking Pistons. Um, real quick, though, I will say with, with Drew and with um, with Kispert, uh, just great hair. Like, they're, they're in the NBA instantly improves the hair because Drew's obviously got the handlebar mustache, the crazy hair, and Kispert's got the headband with the, the nice flow. There's not a lot of flow in the NBA. And as a guy who prides himself on his flow, I'm excited to see Kispert's flow splashing in the NBA. But – uh, I'll let you go ahead and jump into the NBA topics, Chris. <laughs> yeah, and uh, maybe this could be a team that ends up, you know, in the Kispert and Fogner range. But uh, right now, they are currently one of the hottest, if not the hottest team in the NBA. And, you know, recent coach firing, uh, you know, I don't know, change of scheme. Things are looking up for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, haven't lost a game since McMillan took over. I don't know what's up, but the, they're. The Hawks are back, man. Uh, actually, they just lost last night. So yeah, I was going to say, they just their lost. First loss. <laughs> their first loss. I'm literally just looking at the stat line from last night. Their first loss since the McMillan era started. But, 
this is a team that's up to fifth in the East. And this is, I, I mean, we've talked about them all year and it's all been, I don't think we've had a single, uh, you know, spit of positivity for the Hawks so far this season. It's all been negative. We've been trashing Trey Young, trashing the coaching yeah. staff, trashing the <laughs> roster. They're, they're not bad, man. I mean, since, since he took over McMillan did, they've been really good. And, uh, They've done it without DeAndre Hunter, who's now back. He's off the bench right now. I'm assuming he's going to find his way back in the starting lineup. And when he does, that's a really good starting five with, uh, you know, Capella, Huerta, Collins, Trey Young, and then Hunter as well. That's a fantastic starting five. And, uh, you know, Trey Young has been Trey Young. Uh, you know, Capella has been, obviously, he's been very good on the glass as well. I'm really interested to see, and we've talked about it at length. We're not going to talk about, Pistons potentially going after my guy John Collins, but I want to talk about whether or not they end up moving him. I'm starting to think that they're not going to, unless the price is absolutely ridiculous, like multiple first rounders plus more, which I don't think a lot of teams are going to be willing to do that for a guy that may not even re-sign with them. But uh, I think it would be dumb for them to move on from him this year with their current winning streak, but we'll see. I mean, maybe they're thinking about the future, like I said. I mean, they, they're not – they're not going to compete for a championship this year. That's clear, but they're definitely on the right track to being competitive in the East, at least in my opinion, from what I've seen over the last couple of weeks with McMillan taking over since the all-star break, pretty much they've been, they've been one of the hottest teams in the NBA. And I know, like I said, incorrectly said they were undefeated. They did lose last night to the Clippers, but it's also the Clippers. It's one of the best teams in the league. So you can't really fault them with that when they had both Kawhi and Paul George back. So, but I, I do like the Hawks. I think they're going to end up making the, at least making the play in because, you know, the, the East is still super close. But having DeAndre Hunter back, they started off the year pretty well with him. He got injured. They, they went on a free fall in the East and are now making their strides back with him back on the roster. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what they end up they end up doing going forward. But we'll see. The Hawks are interesting. Yeah, they really are. I mean, a month ago, we were like, man, they'll be lucky to make the play-in tournament. Now it's looking like they're probably going to be a top-six team. We won't even have to worry about the play-in tournament. Right now, they're fifth. They're actually tied with the Heat for fourth. Um, and behind them, there's the Hornets, which you already talked about earlier, having some injury issues. The Celtics have been up and down. The Knicks are, you know, I, I think the Hawks are better than the Knicks, personally. You got the Bulls and the Pacers, who I think the Hawks are equal in that range. But like you said, those both Bulls and the Pacers are either inconsistent or trending in the wrong direction. The Hawks are trending in the right direction. So... Um, I think it, it'd be shocking at this point if the Hawks are not a top six team, um, given the other their competition. They're also one of only five Eastern Conference teams, which just shows you how bad the Eastern Conference is. That has a positive point differential as well. So it's not like they're just getting lucky; like they're 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 playing well, um, both sides of the court. Uh, you mentioned Trey Young's been looking good, and Hunter's obviously back as well. Get some love to Danilo Gallinari. I mean, he's been, he's been looking pretty nice these last few last few games too under McMillan. He was a guy that we we I think we ripped him. Uh, we probably ripped him. We ripped every player on this team. Um, and he's been he's been playing a lot better. Um, they gave him that big contract, um, and that kind of leads me into my point. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they do trade John Collins. I mean, like you said. As good as this stretch is, they're going to probably be a top six seed. There's no way they're competing with the Sixers, the Nets, and the Bucks. Right now, a 4-5 Heat-Hawks series I think would be really entertaining. I think either one of those teams could maybe sneak out, so maybe they win a playoff series. Who knows if they're able to maintain the 4 or the 5 seed, but they're not competing for the Eastern Conference Championship this year. Um, and they do have a lot of money on the books in the, their big contracts that they sign with Gallo, with Bogdanovich, with Rajon Rondo. Um, and the rumor is John Collins is... 
wants out because he's not able to get get the contract he wants. Um, yep. You've seen this before where guys, quote unquote, can't get the contract they want and then they find a way to work, work it out and they stay on the team. Um, winning heals everything. I think that's the motto. Um, but it just seems like I, I know I was a little pessimistic about Lowry getting traded. I think John Collins is going to get traded. I think it's because he's not making a lot of money this year. And I think um, the Hawks, they're, they're not going to be able to pay him. And I think right now they'd rather get something in return for him, especially with his value being relatively high, rather than letting him walk in the offseason um, and get nothing back for him. So um, I think, do unfortunately, even though it would probably mess up the chemistry, depending on what they, they could get solid players back for Collins, too. He's a solid young player. Um, but I, I think Collins is going to get moved, but I, I think ultimately I don't think it's going to affect the Hawks too much as long as they get a semi-decent return back um, just because of the contract and the money and how the, how that works. Um, and it seems like the Collins just doesn't get along with the Hawks anymore based on my perspective and based on what I've heard and read. So um, yeah. I think that, I think he could be maybe the biggest, the biggest name to move at the deadline. Um, uh, I, I have, two other guys I want to mention too later for my point, but I wasn't sure. Do you want to add anything else about the Hawks or about what I said about the Hawks? Just if John Collins gets traded, let it be to the Pistons. That's all I'm going to say. I really want him to come here in, in Detroit. And we've talked about this at length. We're not going to get into it again. I really want him though. And he's, he's a great player. So we'll see if it happens. Probably won't. But if it does, you know, you know, I'll be smiling somewhere, but Drew take it away for our final to close out the episode. <laughs> I don't know if they should do it, but Jeremy Grant would be a really nice addition to the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know if that that should happen. Um, that would hurt I their do agree. They would hurt their money situation. But um, we talked about they want them wanting to get a decent return. I think Grant's a really solid player um, that they could add there, and and Grant would then be on a playoff team as well. But um, my final thing is going to be just a quick game. There's two big names um, in addition to John Collins. We, won't, we already talked about him. Though we won't talk about him that are currently on the trade market. seems like they're most likely going to get traded. Uh, that's Aaron Gordon and Victor Oladipo. So I'm just going to really quick, we can just do rapid fire here. I'm going to tell you the four teams rumored to be with Gordon, the three teams rumored to be with Oladipo, and you just give me which team you want him to be on the most. So Aaron Gordon, the Pistons are in like some rumors, but the four main teams in rumors with Aaron Gordon are the Houston Rockets, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Denver Nuggets, and the Portland Trailblazers. So, Chris, of those four teams, which one do you want to see Aaron Gordon land on the most? Um, I mean, I mean, personally, I want to see him land on the Blazers the most. But and I'm not the biggest Aaron Gordon fan, but he is a good defender, so I that would give them a boost there. But I'm not going to pick them for this because I don't think it's the most a the best fit and b the most realistic. Which I I like the Nuggets, man. I think that's a good that's a good place for him to land. They need a little more defense. I mean, I think him and Michael Porter Jr. would be a really good front court be around Jokic because you know you have Gordon a little bit better defensively. Michael Porter Jr.'s got that size as well. That's a good front court, man. I mean, it already was a good front court, but adding him to that to the mix makes a lot of sense. And I think they have a good asset to give up an RJ Hampton. I think that's a perfect guy that gave yeah. up Hampton in the first, I think could get the deal done for me. And I think for both sides, that would make a lot of sense. So I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets, even though, I mean, I'm a Blazers fan. So seeing him in, and I mean, I'm again, like I said, I'm not the biggest Aaron Gordon fan, but anything that the Blazers do to make, to make improvements, I'm going to be happy about as long as they're not giving up everything for him. But in this case, I'm going to pick the Nuggets just because I think it makes the most sense and it would probably be the best destination for him. Yeah, and we actually just mentioned him, Jeremy Grant. I mean, that's a big loss that they lost um, to Detroit and Denver. And Aaron Gordon, I think, could fill a very similar role. He's not as good offensively as Grant, 
But, um, I mean, last season, Grant didn't really do much offensively, and I think Gordon could fill that role. And he's also good for one of those games where he's just, like, can't miss threes for some reason. Um, he's an entertaining player, both on and off the court. Um, I think Denver makes a lot of sense. The Rockets and Timberwolves is just weird to me because, like, weird. Are, you, weird, are you all bro. in? Why? Are, what are you doing? Um, I, the Timberwolves makes no sense. I mean, I guess maybe pair them with Cat, but, like, they already got a lot of swingmen type of guys that are Gordon's skill set. So I don't really get that. The Rockets, maybe they're trying to like build around Christian Wood um, and John Wall, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't really know what that's about either. The Blazers too. I just don't think, I think the Nuggets, like you said, could offer a better package uh, for Aaron Gordon to the Magic. So I think the Blazers, the Blazers would be interesting too, because they are a good team. I'd like to see Aaron Gordon. I just want to see him out of Orlando and I want to see him on a good team. Um, but the next guy, Victor Oladipo, the three teams most heavily rumored to be with him, at least based on um, what I've seen most recently, is the Detroit Pistons, the yes. Miami Heat, and the New York Knicks. So which team of those three do you want him to go on the most? I mean, I'm going to assume Lowry ends up on the Miami Heat for this. And I'm going to take – I'm going to go with the Knicks. I think I, the Heat makes sense if they don't end up getting Lowry. That makes a lot of sense too. But I think the Knicks, they need another guy. They don't really have a starter that can create their own shot in terms of being a guard. I mean, their guard play, it's been – I mean, right now they're starting to get quickly into the starting lineup, so he's been, I would say, their best shot-creating guard. They have Derrick Rose as well, but he's more of a bench guy now. Uh, Alec Burke stinks. Alpha <laughs> Payton stinks. They're not winning in a playoff series with those two as they're starting one and two guard. But I think a backcourt of Emmanuel Quickly and Victor Oladipo in the starting lineup can work in a, in a playoff setting with Julius Randle, uh, R.J. Barrett also in the starting lineup. I mean, Oladipo, he's been really up and down this year offensively. He's, his efficiency is is just gone out the window. He's barely shooting 40% from the field. He takes a ton of shots, but he's also a guy that can get hot in a in an absolute instance and can rattle off like 20 points in a quarter. He's one of the, I would say, one of the streakiest scores in the NBA. I mean, he's averaging 20 points a game. And I feel like there's some games where he's like four for 25 from the floor, but then the next game he's like 12 for 15 and like 35 points. He's had numerous games where he's been that efficient from the floor. So, I mean, in a, in a situation where the Knicks, you know, they're maybe, maybe too good, too fast, but I don't think, Oladipo would absolutely break the bank in a trade because he also could potentially be a free agent, but it also gives them a chance to make a run in the playoffs. In my opinion, I think, I mean, the Knicks, are they a favorite for the title? No, they are not. But I mean, you got to do at some point, you got to do, you got to make some kind of move. Uh, and I think this one makes some sense for them. In my opinion, I, I, I do like Oladipo to both them in the heat. Definitely not the Pistons. That's a terrible destination. Let's not do that. Let's and absolutely forget about whatever we were going to do with that. But uh, I yeah. think him to the Knicks would make some sense because they are just void of talent and the, in the backcourt, at least in their start, like their supposed starting lineup. So I think that makes some sense for him to go there. The Knicks, I think, like you said, the Pistons is, is similarly to how the, the Timberwolves or the Rockets doesn't make sense for Aaron Gordon. The Pistons getting a Lodipo makes no sense. Uh, I mean, he's like 28. I think he's older than you think. Um, right. And like, we going to pay him a ton of money next year. I don't know. What are we trying to do? This just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then the Heat and the Knicks uh, equally, I think, um, I think the Knicks, I don't I think the Heat could probably maybe offer something, a little bit of a better package uh, for Oladipo. Um, but right now it says they either want a, 
promising young player and or a first round pick, but the the belief around the league is that they they're willing to settle for just a second round pick for Oladipo as well. So um, in terms of promising young players, I think the Heat have some more of those that they'd be willing to give up, whether it be like Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, maybe. Um, and then get Oladipo in return. I, I like his fit there. And the Knicks, too. I, I like his fit there as well. Like you said, it, they're trying to make a run for the playoffs or, or win the play-in tournament. Um, Oladipo uh, would make a lot of sense there in the backcourt for the Knicks. My only hesitation there is um, because I, I think they want to make a big splash in free agency here relatively soon. They have a lot of cap space. Um, are they willing to spend some of that money on Victor Oladipo? Um, I, I think for sure you'd really be willing to spend that money on Oladipo like two years ago when he was with the Pacers and was all NBA. But um, like you said, he's been super inconsistent since coming back from that injury, um, which is unfortunate because he was a really good player. But that's my one hesitation with the Knicks. Um, and the other thing is with the Heat, it's well known that he wants to be a Miami Heat. Um, so I yep. think that could also play a role in the Heat being willing to offer more. But I have, I mean, now there's rumors, but it doesn't seem like the Heat are like, oh man, we need Victor Oladipo. Yeah, they're like not. Victor- they want Lowry. Victor Oladipo just wants to be on the Heat. It's not. I don't think the feelings are mutual. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Though I think the Knicks, Pistons, if they, if they, you won't hear me do another rant when we do our trade deadline thing. If we trade Victor Oladipo, I'm going to be very irritated. But um, the Knicks and the Heat, I think, are two really solid options for Oladipo. Yeah. But I mean, with the Heat, if they're able to land some, which I think they could, they have enough assets to do it. If they're able to land both Oladipo and Kyle Lowry. They instantly become, I would say, maybe finals favorites in the in the East because they're not giving up Bam, they're not giving up Butler. They could probably give up none and one possibly, and then Chua and the other one, and then some picks and B, and that could be the core they have around them. And if, as long as they can hold on to Hero as well, I could see them making a deep playoff run with that team. That would be pretty impressive to have both Oladipo and Lowry added to the team. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the most realistic is that they end up. I think they're going to get Kyle Lowry person. I think they're going to end up making them the push. I think they could offer a better package than Philly as well uh, with built around a chew, which is kind of what I'm seeing as the rumor. I haven't really seen a whole lot from Philly making a, a recent offer. So I think he ends up with Miami, but we'll see if Oladipo does too. I mean, that's the, the heat are right. They're right there. I mean, they just got to the NBA finals. They're trying not to, you know, have that, that, you know, playoff hangover after making that deep run which is happens to a lot of teams that do like like it happened to the Blazers last year like it's kind of happened to the Nuggets this year as well the Heat are kind of looking to avoid that so I think adding a guy like Lowry possibly also with Oladipo makes them it's tough they're going to be tough to eliminate with even with one of those two it puts them in a really weird spot Um, but they're definitely a much more interesting interesting team because I feel like they're those moves would def. I mean, they're. I think they're already above the Hawks, Knicks, Hornets, even Celtics tier teams. I think they're already above there. Um, but getting those two guys would really put them above there. And and I think, I mean, with Giannis hurt, we don't know what that is. Are they better than the Bucks, the Sixers? If they don't get Lowry, would the Heat theoretically be better than the Sixers? Maybe. Um, and then the Heat or the Heat. They are the Heat. The Nets. Um, that would be a really interesting matchup as well. I still think the Nets, it's the Nets conference to lose. I think I'm not a big Nets person, but I think it's the Nets championship to lose, especially with the Lakers issues at this moment in time. But right. um, you bring up a great point. The Heat, it makes them a, a much more interesting contender for sure if they're able to get even one of those guys. But definitely if they get both of those guys, it makes them really interesting. But um, anything else you want to add um, before we wrap this episode up? 
No, this is a fun one, Drew. I know it's been, uh, you know, almost two weeks since we've really done any uh, basketball hours, but it, it was good. To, it was good to be back in the, you know, in the swing of things here. And I'm excited for the second half of the NBA season and for these draft prospects that we talked about, making yeah. me more excited for the NBA draft. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, keep doing the uh, rest of the season content, playoff content with you. Um, and as you mentioned before, we will be back here in a couple days to recap the trade deadline, give our instant reactions. Hopefully there's some big moves happening, or if you know DJ Augustine gets moved again, we'll just spend 45 minutes talking about that. Who knows? Um, but once again, we are the Zone Defense Podcast. Um, in addition to all of our NBA content, we also have plenty of NFL offseason content right now. Um, the NFL draft is um, just over a month away, so um, we're going to be doing a lot of mocks and projections for that. Um, we'll keep you up to date on all the free agency and trade news, as well as previews for the 2021 season, both real-life football as well as fantasy football. So make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Spotify and Twitter, at Zone Defense Pod, and you can search us on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Uh, smash that like button and drop a comment down below. Um, it really helps out our channel a lot. Um, and we're also interested to hear what you think about who's your favorite prospect from the NCAA tournament so far. Uh, maybe your March Madness championship picks, how your brackets are doing, as well as your predictions and anticipations here for the NBA trade, de trade deadline, as well as the second half of the season. But uh, that's all for this episode. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace.